What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Perpetually Correct Sports Variety Show brought to you by Sensibly Loud Media. I am your host, J-Mac, and I am joined by JB and the one and only Kyle Beats. What's going on, gentlemen? J-Mac, welcome back. We got a midweek edition for the folks. We're, we're switching back to the NFL after a, a weekend hiatus of talking about the XFL and the Dallas Renegades and we had to bring Kyle Beats back for the heavy lifting. It's a little tough to shoulder this on our own, so we're excited. I know Kyle's been doing his scouting, and he's back in the booth. Yes, sir. Glad to be back. Appreciate you guys uh, holding it down while I was traveling back from uh, from Austin this week. But yeah, I am uh, I'm fully geared up for the NFC, man. Uh, obviously, I'm a, I'm a Cowboys fan. I, I'll try not to let it show in my. Uh, you know, as I kind of break things down, but I'm really st- stoked for the NFC, and I think it's more wide open than it's been in a while. I mean, well, the, I mean, the, the folks that can't see, I think Kyle Beach has got a Terrell Owens jersey on right now. Yep. Uh, so <laughs> clearly, a deep Cowboys fan. <laughs> Dude, let Man, the best damn jersey. I hated Tio so much too when he was uh, an Eagle and a 49er. My first Cowboys game ever, I was like 11, and he he had three TDs as a 49er and got one in the fourth quarter and spiked, it, and I was like. I freaking hate this guy. And then he came to Dallas. I'm like, easily my favorite player. I mean, George Teague tackling him might be the best Dude, thing I've ever great. seen. It was a great moment. Yeah. yeah but-, I, I, but I told you before this started, Justin, because me and you were talking about it. T.O.'s probably in better shape than like 50% of the receivers in the NFL right now. Almost certainly. He's just old and can't, yeah, he, he he can't, can't run do routes, it anymore. But he's freaking ripped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, speaking of great wide receivers that are a little bit of a head case like Terrell Owens, we mentioned this last week in this saga with Antonio Brown. It's kind of continued on. He reports, he protests, he reports, he protests. Calbeats, what what inside information do you have? What's going on with Antonio Brown currently? Man, I'm I'm over this situation, honestly. I'm so frustrated at this because Antonio Brown has been somebody I've defended and been one of my favorite players. Um I think he has a great work ethic, and you have to at that size to do what he's done. But for him to let this linger on this long and, you know, potentially be risking $30 million of guaranteed money is just absolutely insane. Uh, I was watching a show earlier today. Real quick, there's 31 different helmets available in the NFL. that he And he's not – because his one isn't compliant, he's not going to choose one of the 31 different helmets available. That's unbelievable. It's, it's unbelievable. It's That's- unacceptable as a – uh, I think a 31, 32 year old, 31 year old yeah. player. But he, so one thing though, he's already signed that contract, right? So he's already guaranteed the 30 million, no matter what happens. Correct. But he, has, think to he play. has to report. Yeah. He has okay. to report and play though, but he's, repo- he hasn't reported at all yet. Right. Uh, if he re- yeah. He no, he is not. Okay. Well, I, he came, he came, he had the frozen feet. So I guess he's reported for training camp, but he's missed what two weeks, probably two weeks of getting in rhythm with David Carr and fitting into that offense. Yeah. Well, he's on the field for warmups before the Cardinals game in Arizona there. Um, right. He was at the practice facility today, but he's refusing to still find headgear that works for Antonio Brown. I mean, <laughs> I guess we've all been there and played sports with different, uniforms and equipment but this seems to just be getting out of hand at this honestly if i'm the nfl i just go you know what if you want to get injured you sign this waiver you you release all rights to sue us in the future for any head traumas and you can wear you don't even have to wear one i don't care (laughs) now that would be something but dude i don't think i feel like that's a really slippery slope because that's going to go directly against what they've been 
they've been needing to to try to address for quite some time, I think, right? Yeah, I mean, dude, at the end of the day, my the the point I want to make about AB is he went from like my top five favorite player to my least favorite player. And that's all I can't get over the fact of that. And it, it, it to me, it has is it not more than the helmet? Like, is there not something else going on with AB, like just from a psychological standpoint? Almost certainly. He, yeah, you have to assume so. Looking at his, you know, end of year or end of the career with Pittsburgh and his off the field over the offseason, what he's doing and dyeing his mustache, the weird hair. I mean, there's just something off with this guy. And and I think it's, as we mentioned before, you can't fully blame Mike Tomlin anymore and Ben Rottlesberger for all this. I mean, the guy's showing his true colors. And um, I have no idea. I just would want to stay as far away from him as an organization as possible. Uh, but the one that opened them up, uh, is it surprising that Oakland no. said, give us A.B.? Bring me them. That's Bring so me true. finest meats and cheeses, and that's Antonio <laughs> Brown. Is Are they like... So, I mean, like, what does this do to the chemistry of the team, do you guys think? So, like, you know, like, internally, do you think they're, like, all kind of distracted by this? Or or do you think that they're able to keep moving? Because I'm always of the belief that when something like this is going on, it's just no matter how you slice it up, it's a distraction in some way. And it's really hard for a team to overcome those kinds of distractions. Yeah, it, it absolutely alienates a team. And I think more it's the struggle between Gruden in Mike Mayock, which we've talked about at nauseum with this team, how one coach wants to be young, the other wants to bring in every old sap that you could possibly find. So, and now that's, that's what you have. You're bringing in these young guys like Josh Jacobs uh, on the offense and Derek Carr is a younger quarterback still to this point. And when you see guys acting like that, it, it has to naturally piss you off. It's like a guy who never comes into work and then shows up and is making more money than you still. So right. it naturally <laughs> has to have an effect on you. Right. If that happened in any of our jobs, I think we'd be pretty pissed off about it. But that's the power of sports and having that much talent as AB does. But I, I, I do think it's a locker room issue. I don't think it's enough to make this team quote-unquote fold. I don't think this team, even with AB, is more than a seven- or eight-win team in my mind. So I don't really know what it's going to do in terms of win-loss. I think it affects guys walking in the door every day, but not maybe as much as it – certainly not as much as what a college team or as maybe we think it does. I think the main issue is that they don't have any stars in this, in this roster really, except a B. So that's, what's going to sell tickets and you don't have any impact players on offense, except a B. So, you know, you need to figure out how he's going to fit in that offense and how Derek Carr can use him to make Josh Jacobs job easier to make their new, the new tight ends job easier to really, you know, bring the rest of the offense in. And I think that, I think it's going to hurt him more on the field than off the field. Well, what, one thing that solves all the craziness and hecticness is going out there and putting up W's. And uh, as we mentioned on the AFC podcast, we don't really have a positive outlook for this team. And it's no. uh, something that can really snowball quickly. Um, I, in speaking of another kind of crazy situation, we've got J Mack and Kyle. Zeke Elliott, I think last week we were all pretty positive that he would be returning to Dallas. Uh, after yesterday, we've had some quotes from Jerry Jones. There was an extension to Jalen Smith that was handed down. And, of course, overshadowed by that was the Zeke Elliott not reporting. And I'm going to give you one quote from this uh, press conference, and I kind of want both your guys' thoughts. He said, the team takes precedent at, at a point over the opinion or demand of an individual. He goes on to say the team takes precedent 
and I've got the backbone to keep it that way. To me, that sounds like a guy saying, seems more important than one guy. Yep. I don't give a shit. And I've done this before. Don't test me. What, 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 how do you guys interpret this moving forward? So two things here. One, this is absolutely the way to handle this. And I've been screaming up that tree for weeks and weeks now. But the only concern I have, and Jerry has absolutely stood still before on these kinds of situations and not blinked. DeMarco Murray is a great example of that. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him not blink again here. I just wonder if this, how much smoke and mirrors are here. It's, I mean, Jerry is smart enough to not to say or not say whatever he wants and knowingly so every time. I mean, is that fair? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think Jerry is handling it the right way. We've talked about what we think his value is. Uh, I think Zeke's number is much higher than that, and Jerry's not going to budge on it. If Jerry's even willing to give him the numbers that Jason and I discussed last episode – where we're talking, you know, a little under 20 million a year. And, you know, I think that's reasonable for Zeke to want, you know, 20 million a year plus or want this, you know, 90% guaranteed or something excessive like that. It's just crazy when you have two years left. And crazy. I'm really glad that Jerry's taking this stance because if, if we give these guys exactly what they want and we give Zeke 20 and we give Dak 40 because he turned down the $30 million deal, now you're talking about $60 million in two players. That's, almost one third that's about 30 percent of your cap of a 52-man roster and two players yeah and, but, you, and you got tank you just signed Jalen. you're gonna have to sign amari zach martins makes a lot of money you're gonna have over half your cap in six guys and i know a lot of teams have done that and and been successful but you also look at teams like you know russell uh seahawks with wilson and lions with stafford and they're basically held hostage by these these contracts and i think that's what's going to happen was Dak and Zeke if we do it but on that's the business side on the flip side as a fan you're kind of like yeah who like, cares it's not my money <laughs> right yeah. right but yeah I know, man I just I, I don't know if Dak and Zeke are worth that that amount of money they're not yeah I, I think this is really Jerry knowing that he has all the power here and uh yep. you know I think Zeke picked the first of all wrong time to do a holdout he's got no leverage here if he doesn't play the Cowboys have his whole career and he can never play in the NFL again if he feels like he should hold out and for a contract so I think it's Jerry really going I you know all the powers on my side of the table you chose to hold out a year too early Jerry's always taking care of the right guys when you've proven that you're here for the organization and the guys and you know Demarcus Uh. Lawrence even when he was in his holdout was still at the facility doing workouts with the players being that captain because Garrett came to him and said look you got to be the captain. We put that C on your chest. We're going to get you paid, but do it the right way. And holding out two years before your contract up is not the right way of doing that. So and I think this is a lot of Jerry knowing that everything's on his side. That He's got all the chips. Zeke's only got a small stack, and he went all in, and Jerry's going to call the bluff. So let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com SLM. There you can browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a free title, and start listening now. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com SLM and get started today. 
absolutely love the audible going on the way to work every day. That's certainly nice to throw on along with the podcast here and moving on. We're going to be previewing the NFC with their four divisions and kind of continuing the theme of Zeke Elliott. We'll go right into the NFC East. Looking at the Eagles with favorites, minus 110, followed by the Cowboys at plus 140. Washington and Giants trail up the reel at uh, 10, 10 to 1 plus. Let's start here with the Dallas Cowboys. They have an eight and a half game uh, expected win here. Kyle, resident Cowboys expert, how do you feel about the eight and a half and being kind of second tier to the Eagles uh, with the expected wins? Well, I'll start out by saying Philly is my pick to win the division, so I understand it. Uh, I am I am a homer to Dallas, but I want to beat you guys in these division picks, so I'm going with who I think is going to win, and I think Philly's going to be the best team in this division. Uh, as far as the number of eight and a half, that's where it should be because if Zeke signs, I think that number is probably nine. I don't think it would go to nine and a half, but I think they're a nine and seven to a 10 and 16 with Zeke. I think without Zeke, they're probably an eight and 18 or seven and 19, and I just don't have, have the faith in – the offense, I think, although we are going to get the new play caller. We got Scott Linehan the hell out of there. Thank God. I do I do think they're going to be a sec- the second tier in this division, though. I think the Eagles and Carson Wentz are going to have a big bounce back year. So I- I'll say I see the-, the Cowboys going about nine and seven. I think the Zeke deal still gets done one way or another. Okay, that's fair. I would say, I mean, if you're looking at eight and a half, I would take under that because I think they'll go eight and eight. It's kind of okay. where my head's at, regardless of how this shakes out. I just, I, I know they've got a lot of upside potential, but I agree with you about the offense. I, I think that losing people like Cole Beasley is kind of, kind of hurt, regardless of what you think about how good Cole Beasley is. He was still productive a lot, and him and Dak had a good chemistry together. I mean, yeah, Dak relied on him a lot, but you get Jason Witten back. Michael Gallup is oh, certainly buddy. Going, going to develop. Jason, Jason Witten can fall forwards like a tree for four yards every time. But we get Michael Gallup, who on his, in his second year I think is going to develop well. And you get Randall Cobb in the slot. How healthy he's going to be, I don't know. But I don't think the receiving core got any worse. I just, I guess it's still just like a mediocre offense to me. Unless Ze- If Zeke's in there and the line is healthy, it's probably a top 10 to 12 offense. But we got to see what Dak's going to be able to do. Uh, you it's know, we got to make sure him. that. Yeah, because he looked so great with Amari, but it's like in stretches because certain teams would – really key in it on it and for whatever reason put a plan together that stopped it and I fear that could happen again mm. and as great as our defense played last year I still don't think we're like an elite elite level defense I think it's an above average defense uh that being said we have two piss poor teams in the division with <laughs> Giants and the Redskins so that's that could be four wins right there so I think really nine helpful. and seven is possible but I wouldn't touch the eight and a half number yeah that's fair yeah, I think when you're looking at the Cowboys, obviously the biggest question marks that we've talked about with Zeke uh, and probably larger than that is first-year OC Kellen Moore. Uh, you know, this was a hire that was more instigated by their loss to Sean McVay um, and the Rams. I mean, you looked at – they had to change it up. As Kyle mentioned, Scott Lenahan's out. Um, and this is an offense that now has more come together. You have a full offseason of Amari Cooper. You have a true slot receiver in Randall Cobb. And you have that web back and what we're seeing a lot in the NFL with Tony Pollard. And if him and Alfred Morris have to shoulder the load, that's something I think the Cowboys are ready for. And the most untalked about part of this is getting Travis Frederick back in the fold with the Dallas Cowboys. This is probably one of the most important centers in the NFL, I would say, compared to a lot of other teams, just based on the way the Cowboys offense runs 
uh, with the heavy workload to Zeke and the directional running of, of Dak. So I, I like where the offense is at. I think Gallup is poised to really take a big leap. You know, this kid who sure. played at Colorado State. So yep. him transitioning to the NFL went great last year for a kid who took a big jump in talent. So nice. I really like what they have working on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Chris Richard was retained as well as on the defensive side with Rob Marinelli. So I think there's a lot to like on the defensive side. And for the Cowboys, Kyle, you mentioned it already. The, the schedule is a little bit easy, especially early on. They go Giants, Redskins, Dolphins. You're looking yeah, to start the year 3-0. and oh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, that's helpful. Because, yep. Right, because following that, you do have the Saints and Packers. Um, but then you're also looking at the Jets, Eagles, and Giants following that. I mean, this is a team, If through the first eight games, if you're 6-2, and two, yeah, I, I think you would expect so. that. I think you'd expect that because you're looking at them certainly five and three, certainly five and three. I would think. Yeah. I would say they're probably going to be favored in five out of those first eight games outside of the, the Packers at home, the Eagles at home, you know, maybe a pick them and then the saints on the road, but you know, we're not, we'll get into the saints later, but not too excited there. So I think it's a team that is certainly a shoe in for eight and eight, just based on the division. I mean, they also have the lions and bills to kind of beat up on, uh, but, you know, games against the Bears in December, uh, yeah. the Patriots in late November doesn't exactly excite you as well. So I think it's a team that needs to avoid back-to-back -back losses, which sounds really simple, but they really don't have any back-to-back -to -back tough games uh, till, till the end of the year. So um, moving from the Cowboys to that Eagles front, uh, Kyle, you kind of mentioned that you, you are looking forward to seeing on this team Carson wins back and healthy. They do lose Nick Foles. Kyle, what's your first initial reaction and what you're seeing from the Eagles so far in camp? Dude, I am stoked. The Eagles are my favorite NFC team this year, and I know that's probably a hot take because most people would say Rams or Saints, I'm sure, like we mm -hmm. saw in the uh, conference championship. Uh, but I really think that getting a healthy Carson Wentz with this Philadelphia defense that I'm very high on they have a plethora of wide receivers. Uh, I'm really, I'm really excited for them. I think what's their what's their number, Jason? What's the over under on them? You're sitting at nine with a lot of juice, or nine and a half at most shops. Well, I'm over that. I'm over I'm that. For sure, over that. I'm definitely over nine. Yeah, I think when you're looking at ten wins, this is certainly a team that could jump in the fold. And you know, a couple things as we mentioned, getting Carson wins back is certainly key. Um, he shed that knee brace if you've been watching them practice, which is a huge thing for anyone who's played football. It's kind of getting rid of that and allowing that mobility back. Uh, certainly the back issues are a concern for him, but you bring in a weapon like Deshaun Jackson. This is a guy who loves to throw the deep ball. With the injuries they had last year and his injury limitations, um, it kind of uh, degrades what they could do on offense. On the defensive side, I, I really do like what the Eagles did. Bringing in Timmy Jernigan was a great signing. Uh, Darby got brought back in the, in the uh, secondary, which is terrific. I think kind of an underrated signing was LJ Ford. Uh, that was a guy the yep. Cowboys did have some interest in. I uh, just couldn't swing the money-wise, but it's certainly great depth at linebacker position as well. It's just a team that looks really deep. I think they drafted well again. You know, they got their guys. They got a replacement, you know, for Jason Peters down the line. And Miles Sanders coming in at running back out of Penn State, I think they've proven that they just kind of are able to produce those types of backs that can translate well outside of Shaquan as well. So I think there's got, a lot. To, uh, I was going to say, you got Jordan Howard there too. I just realized that. Right. Jordan Howard did move over there. 
and he's got to feel disrespected. The Bears yes. didn't like him last year. For sure. He was given away, I think, for a six-round pick. This kid's just got to feel like, well, what, what do I have to do to earn respect? He had a great rookie year, so I, I think he's going to play with a whole chip on his shoulder, too. I, I agree with all that. I just everybody's wanting to hand the crown to Carson Wentz, and I don't know like about that yet. Like he's that injury he had was really serious, and it was bad. And like I just I they pissed on Nick Foles so quickly, and that I don't know why they couldn't have just held on to Foles for two more years, maybe, and just continued to develop Carson Wentz and like get him there. I don't. We just don't know. I feel like that's a big thing to to hit your wagon to that you don't really. Like everybody just thinks it's going to be fine, and it it could be, but I mean, I just love that deep with Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham yeah. and that secondary and it, that crowd and the and their defensive play calling uh, from Jim Schwartz. And tell me this: Would you take next five years, Dak or Wentz? Because Dak's not going to get hurt. Dak's, well, I mean, I should say that, but Dak's played forty eight games, uh, and assuming they stay healthy, right? Or no? I, yeah, I don't think. Assuming, you... let, let's say assuming they stay healthy. Okay, I would. It's just, mm, I mean, I guess you'd probably stay healthy, though. Yeah, see, I don't. I don't. That's the problem. You would take you would take Dak over Wince, but you would probably feel like Wince. Do you feel like Wince would deserve 30 million before Dak would? Probably. Well, Philly would give him that no matter what. That's what I'm saying. But I actually sound right. I like yeah. Dak, though. I, I think I'm higher on Dak than you are, I think, is I what think it comes down to. Too, for sure. and, and I'm not, like, all in on the dude, but I just don't think he's really been proven yet. And I think now they've had a chance to design the offense around him versus stepping into Tony Romo's offense. And I think that matters because they're very different types of players. And, it's true, but he's going to have to improve the mechanics and the accuracy. Definitely. With, and, and that's the other side of that. Yeah. yeah. And, and as you've said many times, that's not always just something that someone can do. It's... Right. At some point, a God-given ability. So uh, I say all that to say, like, I guess I just, I love what the Eagles have around, like, every, I, I feel like I like everything else they have on the team except for at quarterback, and that just is concerning to me, and only because it's not proven. Yeah, I, I mean, Wentz's health is definitely a major concern. I think certainly uh, you could probably say his ceiling's higher than Dak, and you know, Mike Leach, the head coach for Washington State, always speaks about, you know, accuracy is just something you can't really necessarily teach. I mean, you could work mechanics, but it's not something you see improve. Maybe is a better wording going from, you know, college football to the NFL. I mean, the guys don't magically become accurate. I mean, it's kind of like Drew right. Locke. Everyone's surprised he's missing wide open guys in the preseason. I mean, it it doesn't necessarily change. So, um I think we're, we're, we're all kind of on the same page with the Eagles. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the other teams in this division we do want to touch on, because I'm sure we got some big East Coast listeners, is the New York Giants. Their win total sits at five and a half, six, depending where you're looking at. A team that took Daniel Jones pretty high. Uh, not a guy that I'm certainly banging the ceiling for, but um, you know, the, the Giants offense is a complete mess, whether it's injuries, suspensions, I quarterback, you know, what are you doing there? Pat Shermer's kind of in a tough spot, but I think it's a little bit of an underrated defense and and as such, do you guys really expect them? I mean, it seems like the giants, you never know when they're going to be good. Or do they have any ability here to kind of sneak up on some teams? Other than the Redskins? No. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was about to say, no, I mean, I five and a half, six, I'm, I don't know. I'd have to look at the schedule. I might, I might be under that. I probably wouldn't touch it. It's a pretty low number. It depends on what the schedule looks like. I would almost be lean to go 
over on that just because of better yeah. odds in that situation. So low. Yeah, it's so low. And you got to think, like, but, to Jason's point, like, they do manage to pull a lot out of their ass somehow. I mean, I can, I can attest to that. Yeah, I, I mean, agree. it's a t- yeah, it's a team that's facing, you know, the Dolphins, the Redskins twice. They have the Bills and Jets and Lions and Cardinals on the schedule. I mean, it's a pretty soft schedule when you look at it, when you're going, if they beat the, beat up on the bad teams and then, you know, sneak a win or two at home, I mean, six seems – I think that's just the right number. I mean, I think it's yeah. a six and ten team, whether Daniel Jones or Eli Manning goes. So, um, How the hell did they manage to draft – Another Sixth Eli. Overall, I think. Sixth overall, but they drafted an identical clone to Eli. He even does it's the so dirt face. It's unbelievable. Saw that gift. It's that unbelievable. Gift. With them standing next to each other, they look exactly the same. Unbelievable. <laughs> well, right. so we're we're all on the same page. We're not breaking well, off the it, Eagles and the NFC. Let me, I was gonna say, let me ask this real quick. Without even looking at the roster, and Justin, because I'm only asking you this because you went you said you would probably go over. Who's the number one receiver on the Giants? Oh, I have no idea. Sterling Shepard is. The oh, yeah, one that's probably true. Yeah, I mean that's that's ridiculous though. You would never think of that as a number one. I mean, I guess technically it could be uh, the tight end Ingram or Saquon. Yeah, but Saquon yeah. just doesn't have the offensive line. Like he doesn't have the benefit that Zeke does because Saquon is basically just Zeke that's faster and on steroids. Like right. he's just a better version of Zeke to me, and he's not going to have the production because his offensive line is nowhere near as good as Zeke's. That's true. Jason, before we move on, what's the over-under yeah. on Redskins wins? It's got to be like the five Red- and a half. Yeah, the Redskins wins currently, uh, again, depending where you're looking at, sitting at six and a half. So, wow, really? I take I under mean, that. It, it's Super little, under that. <laughs> I mean, it's a little bit better. It's a big juice to the under, minus 165. But, Ooh, I mean, it's a yeah. team with a little bit better players. I mean, Darius Geis coming into the fold. It's the guy that I personally really like uh, Jordan Reed's apparently pretty healthy. The defense isn't awful. I mean, again, it's a softer schedule. I mean, they're lucking out from that. So, again, it's a team that's probably going to win at least six games, and you got that coin flip at seven. So, yeah, I think I understand what, where they're coming from. That's fair. So you're telling me Jordan Reed looks good in camp once again, and will be out for 17 weeks. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that, that's what you've come accustomed to. But it, it's always <laughs> tough to not buy into the, the, the Jordan Reed hype. But yeah. here's here's my issue. I'm very high on Darius guys. I'm always high on, you know, LSU or just SEC running backs. Uh, but my issue is you don't know who your quarterback is. I mean, the fact that it's a potentially a three, you know, a three man race and a rookie like Dwayne Haskins or Colt McCoy is in the race, that's Dude. an issue. Well, how, that's not, <laughs> well, if Colt McCoy starts every every game, they won't win seven games. No. What how it's is Colt McCoy still possible. around, dude? That is unbelievable. He's a hell of a backup, but yeah. I I will say this. I like Darius Geis a lot, and I hope they don't give up on him or get impatient because they do have Samaji P. Ryan, who's had glimpses and been really good when healthy. You have an old-ass AP, but it's still AP, and then Chris Thompson coming back is that third down back. I'm just hoping they don't deviate from guys too much if he doesn't start off the season hot, and if he's only getting you know three three eight three nine a carry. Like I hope they continue to feed him. Well, Geis is just getting back into the fold with the knee injury. I think they're right. going to ease him in. Uh, yeah, P. Ryan may be there early on just for depth, but that's not really, uh, I think, to your point, AP is going to probably shoulder the load. Chris Thompson is huge for that team to get back with what they like to do. And, again, just goes yeah, to today's modern gonna, NFL. 
I was yeah. going to say they get in third and 17 a lot, and he can catch a lot of, a lot yeah. of underneath balls. <laughs> he, he is great at that. So I think it's going to be Darius Geis is a guy to target kind of if you're playing fantasy kind of, you know, halfway through that fantasy season, you're going, hey, let's catch lightning in a bottle very similar to what we saw with Nick Chubb last year uh, mm-hmm. once they, they got over that whole ordeal with Carlos Hyde and whatnot. So, um, well, well, guys, moving forward, from the NFC East, we're all in agreement there, maybe to a division that's going to have a little bit more conversation. The NFC North with Chicago Bears favorited to win the division again, mm. followed by the Green Bay Packers at nearly two to one and the Vikings at two and a half to one. Uh, and the lines coming up the rear. I'll, I'll let you, I'll let Cal take this first. Let, let's analyze the Bears. You know, they lost their Vic Vangio headed out to Denver to be the new head coach team with a great defense. And now, uh, a second-year quarterback, how do you feel about Trubisky and his progression and, you know, David Montgomery coming into the fold? I like Chicago a lot, and I'm actually higher on Mitch Trubisky, I think, than most people. You know, I think he's a he's not going to be a great passer. He's very similar to Dak, actually, and I don't think he's even looked at as, as good of a player as Dak is. I'm not as high on their defense, I think, as most people are, though. Uh, they had a fantastic year last year, specifically on special teams as well. I don't know if I see them re- repeating that performance necessarily. I think they're going to be a good team, and I'm looking at the schedule right now. Um, you know, that's a first-place schedule. It's a little yeah, tough. It's tough. Uh, what's I mean, their number? Is it nine? It's got to be nine, right? Yeah, it feels like it's right. Nine and a half, maybe? Yeah, and I think to your point, it's going to be a tough schedule, but looking at their number, it is at nine exactly. Okay. Um, Man, and that's so close. To, to Kyle's point, it's a first-place schedule. You're facing a lot of top offenses. you got the Packers twice, the Vikings twice. Mixing in there, you're facing the Saints, Chargers, Eagles, Rams. Wow. That, and the Chiefs. That's a schedule. <laughs> so th- this is a team you're looking at the first four weeks. You do play the Packers at home, but the Packers have a lot of revenge on their mind. You head out to Mile High a week two to face your former D coordinator, who's going to know a lot about what you're doing early on. It's just a tough place to play, too. Yeah, I mean, it yeah, is. Playing in Denver the first two weeks of the year has a significant disadvantage, and there's some crazy numbers out there. I don't have them in front of me, but uh, if you're looking to profit, fading anyone heading to mile high early in the season is smart. very smart. Smart money. Um, I, just, yeah, I, I, think this- I do feel like, though, that there is the chance of taking a little bit of a step back here, a little bit of a sophomore slump type action, because this team was a lot better last year than expected. So I think they've got to continue to take that step forward. And I think to Jason's point, losing Vic Fangio was not going to help that necessarily, but no. And this was a team that was very healthy last year. I don't really remember significant injuries. You know, Allen Robinson did stay healthy. It's, it's a team with a lot of weapons, but we didn't have to see them go without their lead back or Tariq Cohen, Allen Robinson, Trey Burton, their you know offensive line, uh, you know Khalil Mack even. So it's a team that if I don't think has necessarily the depth that people expect because they have moved a lot of draft picks over the past couple of years, um, especially for Khalil Mack. So it's not a team that has those typical reinforcements that you see out of most folks. Right. Um, I, I am not high on the Bears. I think it's an eight and eight team mainly because of the schedule. Ooh, really, um, I, I don't think that they're going to underperform. I think they're going to be, but it, it just you can't have everything fall into place two years in a row. It, I mean, if they do, great for them. But it is tough to imagine a situation where you're able to keep everyone healthy again with playing this type of schedule. I agree. I okay. think I, I think I got them at nine and seven. 
Yeah. I think I could give him that. But I, think I really nine like and seven's where I'm at too. Okay. I like I mean, I like the weapons so, around Trubisky, though. You hit it. You Cohen, Burton, Allen Robinson. You had Cordero Patterson uh, in the offseason. And then who did they draft? Uh, uh Ridley. Ridley's little brother. Yeah. So yep. I, I think there's gonna be so there's some speed and some some explosiveness. It's just can Trubisky put it together? Um, who you, Trubisky or Dak? Trubisky. Really? Yes. Trubisky or Wentz? Probably Trubisky as well. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm I, not that high. I think I. Mm, yeah, I think probably. Trubisky's third on that list for me. That's really? Interesting. Wow. Interesting. I don't know. It'll. I'll have to see what happens this year. I'm. I. I need to see more. Sure. Well. Well, from debating one quarterback to one that's probably the best in the game right now, Aaron Rodgers and the new led Packers with Matt LaFleur and his torn Achilles and all uh, this team with another win total right at nine, uh, kind of having some redemption on their mind, sour taste, certainly haven't gotten the best out of Aaron Rodgers, but we ship Mike McCarthy out of town, which certainly should put a smile on people's faces. We talked a little bit about the um, reforming of the defense, which should hopefully go a long way. Uh, and hopefully a healthy Aaron Jones. Kyle, looking at it, it's it's certainly a similar schedule to the Bears. They're facing the Chiefs. They have the Eagles on there as well. The Chargers, 49ers. Uh, it's a tough schedule. Do you think the first-year head coach and Matt LaFleur can help guide this team maybe a little bit better than we saw Mike McCarthy of late? Yes, for so many reasons. Um by the way, your transitions today have been absolute fire. Um, <laughs> but, I, <laughs> I, dude, I really think that getting Mike McCarthy out of there, even though he brought them the Super Bowl, and he is a good head coach uh, and has been a good head coach, he's benefited a lot from Aaron Rodgers as well. I think getting him out of there and getting just a fresh style, a, a newer style of football being played, because Mike McCarthy's playing football like it's still 10 years ago, is the best thing for Aaron Rodgers. And I think he is going to play pissed off this year because – they had a tough season last year and they still ended up like, weren't they like eight, seven and one or something like that? Or yeah. seven, eight and one. Like, yeah, they had the tie with the Vikings where there was missed field goals by both teams at Lambeau. Right. And it felt like neither team. And you watch that and you went, this is no deciding someone's season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And my, I guess my point is, it's like as terrible as things went last year, just cause it's Aaron Rodgers, And I, and I still believe he's the best in the game. He got them to competing for a playoff spot. I think this year, Bart, because they had a lot of injuries last year, uh, you know, if they stay healthier, I see them winning. The, uh, no, I, I'm actually going to stick with my pick of the Vikings winning the division, but I think they'll be above the Bears. I'll say that. So I'll put them at nine and seven, but I'll say they beat the Bears twice and have the tiebreaker over them. I think having a healthy Aaron Jones is huge. That's a guy that averaged like almost six yards of carry last year. And uh, it'll be interesting to see be between Geronimo Allison and uh, Valdez Scantley, which one can kind of step up and, and be a number two and take some doubles off of uh, Devontae Adams. My yeah, I would def definitely agree with the front of the wide receiver core kind of being the most interesting part of what they're going to be able to do. Uh, Geronimo Allison, I think, has a lot of talent. So does MVS. And getting out of Aaron Rodgers' doghouse is big because I think we've seen that with both players over their career there. Yeah. Um, and Rodgers really had guys who were undrafted last year on the field making them look decent. So um, Jimmy Graham is struggling with his hand already. I think he had a finger issue. It's already reported. 
I mean, you feel for him. I feel like that's a big target that Rodgers likes in the red zone. But they did draft uh, J-Mac. I know a guy that you're familiar with and love, Jay Sternberger out of Texas yes. A&M. And really good I think tight that's end. a guy that can really step in. He fits that culture. I mean, going from a place like A&M, a small town that everyone loves the football, to, you know, Lambeau, another yeah. small town where everyone loves the football, is a perfect fit for him. It is a um, good fit. My biggest concern with this team is Aaron Rodgers' health overall. Like, he's been struggling with that year over year more and more, it seems like, and he's another year older. So, I mean, I, it's really going to depend on – so what is their schedule like overall? Yeah, so their schedule, we went through it very similar to the Bears. I mean, they have to play the Chiefs, okay. uh, the Chargers, the Eagles, the whole division. So, I mean, they have a gauntlet too, and that's why I think yeah. they really focused in on – you know, shoring up that defense, even yeah. outside of a tough schedule, the adjustments had to be made. I have them going eight and eight. I think they're a little bit overrated. I I wouldn't say overrated. I would say that there's just some question marks that they've got to work out. And they have done a lot of replacing of players with younger guys that will be expected to step up. You'll have a new, you know, young gun kind of offense, which is still modeled around the good parts of Aaron Rodgers game, which is the best part about this here. But it's just, you're going to have to have those younger guys step up. And if they can do that, they'll probably be better than that. But I still give that about another year or so for some of those guys. Okay. Yeah. See, but I, you I think like Green Bay, or you like Chicago more than Green Bay? Definitely. Mm. Interesting. I, you I don't know, think I, I do. I, I think Green Bay's got a load of talent, and Aaron Rodgers is going to separate you from everyone else. I, I think it really boils down to just the connection with Matt LaFleur. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers was asked in an interview. Did they, did they have you weigh in on the head coach? And he just said no. There wasn't, uh, you know, no, and went into reasoning. It was just a flat out no. Which right, which means I don't, yes. I yeah, don't, I don't want to read too far into that, but I'm, I have to see how that relationship will be. And until we do, it's just a team that is tough to predict until you can see how they're going to operate on the field. Because as we've seen with Mike McCarthy, he's, he pouts, he calls his own plays, he'll throw him under the bus. If that's the route we go down again, it's gonna tough. It's gonna be tough to see how this team can stick together. But the amount of talent they have, I absolutely love it. I'm all over Aaron Rodgers for fantasy leagues. I think it's just a team that's gonna be in a lot of shootouts this year, even with an improved defense. But it's just a team. I think, as we've all mentioned, it's really hard to gauge until we're gonna be able to see a couple weeks into the season. But we'll certainly be on top of that throughout the the NFL year. Dude, and what last thing I want to say about them is I'm really excited for uh, their that rookie they drafted from Michigan, uh, Gary, the the edge rusher, or the uh, linebacker. Gary. I mean, yeah. yeah, big kid, you know, top top guy out of high school, went to Michigan, kind of underwhelming, but to your point, has certainly had some uh, high spots throughout camp and preseason. Well, it's just the fact that he can run a four five at six four two seventy seven is uh, ridiculous. It's pretty ridiculous, man. I'm I'm excited for him. That could be, you know, maybe a, a Clay Matthews shoe filler. Yeah, and that's what the Packers in, in their best of years have had that ability to get after the quarterback right. with rushing four to five guys. And yep. I know you can say that for about everyone, but uh, with Lambo, the way the way that team plays at home, I mean, you exactly. really rally around. So uh, going from the Packers and what they're doing to their, you know side state rivals in the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Mike Zimmer retained his job. Certainly a fan base that is clamoring for the Vikings to get going. Um, 
Kirk Cousins deal kind of handcuffed them on making a lot of deals. We saw some folks leave on defense, including Sheldon Richardson. Um, guys are getting healthy again. Kyle, let's start with their offense. Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, they re-signed Kyle Rudolph, healthy Dalvin Cook. They bring in Irv Smith from Bama. Are you are you excited? Are you worried? What's your thoughts here? Dude, I'm excited. Everything you just said excited me. I, this is my division winner for the NFC North. Um uh, it's putting faith in Kirk Cousins over Aaron Rodgers, which is a bold move, but I like the surrounding talent a lot more. I'm a huge Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs fan. I think that combo is arguably the best one-two combo in the league. Uh, Thielen is just a hell of a guy. He can take 10 to 12 targets a game. He's going to catch 90% of the balls, and he makes plays that guys don't expect him to make. And Stephon Diggs is just a terrific athlete in space. You keep – Dalvin Cook healthy behind a, a pretty solid offensive line. Kirk Cousins is capable of winning games. He's also capable of pissing games away. But uh, to your point, they did lose some guys on defense, but I love Harrison Smith. I still love the the front four. Uh, I'm confident in this team. I, I have them winning 10 games, and I just look at their schedule. They're going to have to pull some upsets to win 10 games. Like everyone in this conference, they're going um, they're going against a pretty tough schedule, have to you know play the Chiefs and – uh, they're going to have to see the other teams in this division we just talked about. But the, I, I'm going with the Vikings this year. And division winners don't usually repeat that often in the NFL unless you're the Patriots. Yeah. Well, oh, and play in the AFC East, which is just – Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that helps. But yeah. I, I agree with all that. Like, I think this team – I think the biggest thing that's haunted this team over the last two or three years is injury. Like, one after another after another of just devastating blows. And, like, even a couple of years ago when they were in the playoffs, I mean, they were there because of their defense, not their offense. Correct. And, and, and so, like, I like Kirk that about them. Kirk is a better player than Sam Bradford, though. Do you think that? I don't know about I, It's so hard to say. I Sam Bradford's that. never had a big enough sample size for you to really consistently see that. Yeah. Okay. It, we could just agree to disagree. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. We'll, yeah, we'll have that debate another time. That's a good thing to talk yeah. about, though. Yeah, it's an interesting debate, and we haven't seen Kirk Cousins – you know, do kind of what folks expect. And on the offensive side of the ball, I think the biggest question mark for the Vikings obviously was going to be the offensive line. And uh, necessarily looking at it, I think they just kind of replaced some bad guys with a little less worse guys. Not overly excited about the prospect of them continuing to try to be a road grade offense. Uh, that's what Zimmer wants. He brought in Gary Kubiak kind of as a safeguard, thinking, hey, this is going to help instill what I want to do, but I think it's going to almost reinforce that <laughs> this is not how you can operate with this offense. You have a lot of options that uh, outside of running the ball up the middle with Dalvin Cook that I think could be uh, positive for them. Um, so I, I'm going to have to be intrigued to see how this, this team decides to operate. I think with the money you've given Kirk Cousins, the weapons you have, you have to almost open it up a little bit and get out of your head that you, you can't be the ground and pound team that you want to be with this offensive line. You chose to not address it in the draft as much as you should have. You chose not to sign guys that you could, and they have to live with that. So if we're going to see a lot of what we saw last year with Zimmer overshadowing the OC, kind of taking too much of a stamp on that, he needs to focus on the defensive side of the ball. He's a great DC. That's why you brought him in. You have a terrific defense to lean on. Lean on that. Leave the rest of the, the offensive guys that you're not. You're not an OC. So I'm yeah. not I'm not excited about the fact that the the feeling is with you know bringing in the kid out of Boise State Alexander Madison I'm probably butchering the name apologize for that 
and Dalvin Cook being re-healthy, I think you need to ease him back in, but look to get Dalvin Cook open in space, what he did at Florida State, rather than thinking that he's just going to bulldoze through the middle without re-injuring himself. So, yeah, you, um, 212 pounds, man, you got to go outside a little bit. Yeah, yeah he, he's got the speed to do that. So, yes. it, personally, on the division pick side, I'm rolling with the Packers. There's so many question marks with all three of these teams, whether it's coaching, offensive line, repeating you know injury wise so i'm gonna sign with aaron Rodgers, getting it done i think the fresh air will help him with the new coach um for whatever reason i i feel like zimmer could be on his way out if we see an eight and eight season but Agreed. i trust aaron Rodgers and that team to really lead him along and i think if matt lafleur smart he just says let me take a step back my year one and let me let aaron Rodgers lead us how we need yeah to. let aaron Rodgers be aaron Rodgers mm -hmm. while he's still got you know kind of the twilight of his prime and i see I, I had already written down you chose the, the packers jason just because of how you were talking about the, the vikings there and right. jmac i have you for the bears is that correct i think so is assuming that I, this is going to be the most exciting division in football and it's not even is it be between close. the bears and the packers or the bears and the vikings or is it just kind of all three are right there for all you three are right there it, it's just going to depend on a lot of different factors for different ones but all of it's going it to remain health for i would say health is going to be the biggest thing for the vikings and for the packers but kirk cousins is a quarterback i don't believe in necessarily so that's my sure. biggest concern for the vikings i don't know if i do either but kirk, i still picked them I, I, everything I else say i love one thing on the the vikings front i think you'll know after eight games if they're winning the division they yep. play the Falcons at home, Packers, but then have the Raiders, Bears, Giants, Eagles, Lions, and Redskins. Oh, I mean, boy. there's five games that they're going to be heavy favorites in that they have to win. If they can, you know, even go one and two versus the Eagles, Bears, and Packers, if they're looking at a six, six and two, two or six and three. They'll, they'll yeah. be fine. Yeah. I mean, this is – momentum is huge in the NFL. If you're starting the year off six and two and the Packers and Bears are four and four – you really feel good, and you, you just start to get that mental mindset going it, leading into the Chiefs, the Cowboys, the Broncos, the Seahawks. Don't get me wrong. It's a gauntlet to end the year, but it's a lot different when you're already leading the division and mentally in a better space. Correct. Yeah. I will tell you, though, the last thing that I want is it to be a neck-and-neck neck race, which it, it might be, because the Vikings got to play – Green Bay and Chicago in the last two weeks. That's where Kirk Cousins just pisses all over himself. Absolutely. Unfortunately. Although they are home games, which is way better than being in Lambeau or Soldier Field. Uh, but, yeah, Justin, go Chicago. This will make it fun because then yeah. that will be the first division where we've all picked a separate team. I think so, too. I, like I said, I think there's so many X factors on all, like, on all three of these, but the, uh, the upward potential of all three is really high. So I can't, it's going to be wild to watch. Well, from one division with arguably the best quarterback and maybe the best four quarterbacks from a division to another that has a lot of Super Bowl talent and rings and appearances, we go to the NFC South where the New Orleans Saints are heavy favorites at minus 180, followed in the rear by the Falcons at plus 350 and the Panthers at plus 500 and the lowly Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 12 to 1. Uh, we'll, we'll start off first here with the New Orleans Saints, who are certainly aging maybe in the wrong direction. Kyle, with losses on the offense of Mark Ingram, they didn't seem to address maybe a second wide receiver, which J-Mac and I talked about last year a lot, hurting them. How do you see this offense operating now with Kamara going to be more the bell cow and still no number clear number two wide receiver? 
Yeah, that's the main issue to me is is they don't have a clear number two wide receiver because I think Latavius Murray, honestly, is not that big of a drop-off from Mark Ingram to be a one-two punch with Kamara. I like the idea of Kamara getting a bigger workload. I think he's bigger and stronger than people realize. His weight might not be there, but the way he runs and plays too, I think he's less likely to get injured than some of the other finesse backs. And to me, he's the third best running back in the league behind Zeke and Saquon. I'm a very, very high on Kamara, but I'm really high on Michael Thomas too. I would put Michael Thomas as my top four wide receivers in the NFL right now. And I believe in Drew Brees still. He's thrown for 5,000 yards, you know, what, seven out of the last eight years or something crazy like that? I mean, I just – I don't think this is the year he falls off. I don't like the odds at minus 180. I'll say that. I've taken yeah. them to win the division, and I got them winning 10 – I got them going 10 and 6. Mm-hmm. Uh which I think their number is 10 and a half. So I'd, I'd probably go under on that. It's a lot. But if I'm looking at those odds, Atlanta at plus 350 is, is a better play than New Orleans at minus 180 to me. Oh, I, I'm not a Matt Ryan believer, though, is my problem because I've, I've Dude, seen that. I've seen that that act before. Slow down. We're talking Saints. Slow down. Um, yeah, <laughs> Kyle, I'm with you on a lot of fronts here. You know, Ted Ginn, Cameron Meredith, and, you know, Traquan Smith, all Traquan. guys. Who, yeah, all guys who have you know, traded injuries over their career. And I do like the fact that they did bring in Jared Cook to kind of study the tight end position. You know, Drew Brees hasn't had, you know, they, they tried the Colby Fleener deal. They just haven't had anyone great since Jimmy Graham there. Um, uh, you know, certainly a great offensive line if Teron Armstead can stay healthy. Andres Pete, Eric McCoy, really an O-line I like. But, you know, this is a team that has a reputation of being a heavy passing, you know, spread it out. But we really saw last year exactly them go to more of the run game. And uh, there is a little bit of a drop off going from Ingram to Murray, of course. You know, Latavius runs straight up. It's just kind of a weird running style. Um, But Kamara, you know, you got to ask him to shoulder the workload here. So if he can stay healthy, Michael Thomas is going to track everything. I think it's just going to look kind of similar to last year, but a little bit of a fall off on that side. Uh, certainly defensively, you do have some question marks. Can Sheldon Rankins come back healthy? Uh, I do like Malcolm Brown on that side of the ball. And, um, you know, Eli Apple's an interesting guy, but Mashawn Lattimore is an absolute shutdown corner. And uh, when you have one of those, it really can change your defense. So, um, you know, you guys have both mentioned the Falcons and what they're doing. You know, Matt Ryan kind of came back from the dead last year, though, um, and, and had a resurgence with Julio Jones, but Dan Quinn was retained. Were you guys in agreement with Dan Quinn sticking around, or did you want to see a change? I, I think you run it back, man. They're one yeah. bad call away from being in the Super Bowl. I agree with that, though. I'm not a big Matt Ryan believer, and I still agree with that because I, I mean, the tool, the weapons on that team alone. Oh, you said Dan Quinn. My bad. I'm sorry. I was, I was, I was thinking. I don't know why I was thinking Saints. Still, no. Um, yeah, I think I think you still bring it back with Dan Quinn as well because we talk about this in the NBA a lot. Is who do you go get? Right. That's my point, and I don't, I don't think that. I mean, there definitely been some rough things that have happened. I mean, like I was referring to before. I mean, regardless of it being the Patriots, that Super Bowl collapse is one of the worst things I've seen. And I mean, I think I think that's hard to shoulder, but you've rolled with it this far. So you got to I mean, who are you going to go get? And why don't you just keep running it back one more year? Exactly. I think you run it back one more year because it's going to be all the same usual suspects, the same way it is in the NBA. And they don't have jobs for a reason Um, unless you're going to maybe getting somebody in in college or a hot coordinator. But we've seen a lot of hot coordinators not work out that great with most don't. 
you know, not not elite level quarterbacks, which I don't think Matt Ryan is. Um, you know, I just the, that Super Bowl meltdown that was a lot of that was on the play calling from uh, Kyle uh, yeah. Shanahan as well. So I mean, I, I want to you know give Dan Quinn all of that blame. I do think his his clock management is really bad at the yeah. end of halves and games. Uh, but I think this is the year, right? Like you have a pretty much aging Julio. I don't think, I think Julio, this is probably like his last like year as a top three guy. Devontae Freeman is kind of right there at the end of his career as well. And you got a lot of guys on defense that younger guys like Vic Beasley. I don't know if they've restructured his deal, but you got some guys you're going to have to pay. So I, I just feel like this is their year. They're going to make the push that we kind of expected them to the last five years if they're going to do it. Yeah, the Falcons are interesting because uh, I'm not a big Dan Quinn guy simply because he was brought in for his defensive mind and his defenses continue to suck every year. So Correct. Yes. I, I don't get how you keep that guy around, but uh, ownership decided, hey, you're going to be your own defensive coordinator, which is an interesting call. Um, so it's they're certainly putting the money where the mouth is here with Dan Quinn. Um, but, you know, ownership has had a real uh, – you know, handed what's going on more than they should since that Super Bowl loss. Um, Matt Ryan returns kind of the similar offense that we saw last year with Julio. Uh, you know, Calvin really will continue to progress. Mohamed Sanu, I think, is a nice fit in there. Uh, some folks are expecting Austin Hooper to take a step. I've never seen that out of him, so I'm not really jumping on that bandwagon. Um, but, Kyle, you mentioned it. I think one of the big names is going to be Vic Beasley. Uh, can he really become that pass rusher that they need? Uh, Deion Jones is probably the, the one of the best middle linebackers in the game. I think that was he might be the fastest linebacker in the game. Yeah, he's no so doubt about fast. it. Yeah, he's sideline side 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 guy. Love him, and you know, but with that injury last year, you just saw the the effects it had. So I think keeping yeah. him healthy, getting Vic Beasley going, that would be huge for this team. Um, and yeah, Devontae Freeman returning from injury paired with Edo Smith. Certainly losing Tevin Coleman's not ideal, but I think that's a big loss. I think it's a big loss too. I like Tevin more than most. Yeah. I mean, he he's going back to be with Shanahan in San Francisco, which yep. we'll talk about a little bit later in the pod. But um, I would say it's, it's a team that I, I just don't feel like we're going to see much more than an eight and eight Correct. season. What uh, you and, expect from them. Yeah. I mean, you look, mm -hmm. they open up, you know, at home versus the Eagles and they have the Colts Titans, Texans. I, I mean, these are all playoff teams uh, right from a year ago. Yes. I, I mean, that's a tough way to go. I mean, you do get the Cardinals, and uh, but then you follow that up with the Rams, Seahawks, and Saints. I mean, that's a tough first eight games for schedule. this squad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, so, so I just – Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I'm just saying it, it's not a team I, I think can navigate through that first eight being above 500. I don't think so. I agree with that. And, and to me, they're kind of a – a poor man's oh, actually they're kind of like the Vikings. They just got a rougher schedule. Um, and, it's, and you know, I just don't know if Matt Ryan is ever going to win a Super Bowl after taking that loss, honestly, regardless of what goes on around there. Uh, they've paid him a lot, so they're going to have to play it out with him. But seven to nine wins is kind of what we've just come to expect from them, unfortunately. And I think I'm with Jason. It's going to be another one of those seasons. I've got him going yeah. eight and eight specifically. Okay. I think they're about that that level. Yeah, and, and to the third team that we mentioned earlier on, Carolina Panthers stepping in here. This is the team that's going to be my division pick. Uh, Cam Newton certainly what? back, back and healthy. 
you have one of the best running backs with Christian McCaffrey. Follow up the horn with Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore, two guys I expect to take a big jump. And kind of an underrated signing was bringing in Chris Hogan, um, a guy that you know has a pedigree from the Patriots, knows how to be that third or fourth wide receiver, an O-line that should be improved. Um, this is an offense that I'm really excited about to see, and I think they can really exploit Carolina or Atlanta's and Saints, their defenses. So, uh, Kyle, you disagreed right away. What's your what's your thoughts on Carolina? Why are you oh, so man. Mad? Dude, Cam's my guy. Like, that's one of my favorite players in the league, but he's not right. His shoulder's not right. I was so high on DJ Moore coming into the league. Um, I know it was only his rookie year. I, I loved what he did at Maryland, granted against ACC competition. But I, I'm not as high on him at this point. Uh, hearing a lot of good things about uh, Samuel coming coming out of camp. There's been a lot of hype on him. He's like rising on all these fantasy boards. But he's a pretty small guy at the end of the day. Cam's been more successful with Greg Olson, Kelvin Benjamin, uh, big body targets. Christian McCaffrey's a nice player. I like him a lot. I think he's – if he gets 350 to 400 touches this season, he's probably going to get hurt. Um, Greg Olson's not who he once was. Uh, I just – Chris, yeah, and when you say Chris Hogan knows how to play the number four receiver, it's like, yeah, he knows how to disappear. Just ask Justin. Yeah, exactly. Um, like Brady, he was never a <laughs> like a made Brady guy. Like Brady trusted him when he absolutely had to and didn't have any other option target wise. And that right. just it was and even that was really spotty. I mean, he was not even on the field a whole lot. And I just I th always think that there's something. Uh, I know this is kind of easy for me to say, but there just seems like there's always something that if the Patriots just let you walk out the door with no problem, that they must see something that they don't like as far as trajectory goes. And so, I mean, of course, that's not any kind of real tried and true thing, and it's not quantifiable by any means, but just typically that's how that ends up happening. And I, I do worry about his durability as well. I mean, that was a lot of, that's what kept him on the sidelines a whole lot in New England was injury. And so I, I it, that all of that put together... And then I think to Kyle's point, Cam's health as far as his shoulder is what concerns me most. And I mean, he falls on that thing wrong one time. I mean, it's all over. And and I, I think also to your point, like if Christian McCaffrey's getting that many touches, he's definitely going to get hurt. He's smaller than I am, dude. He's, dude, gonna, yeah, he's like he's 5'11", 200. Get he hurt. Just, I know he's shifty and he he's very good about the way he falls forwards and the way he avoids unnecessary contact. End of the day, man, you're 200 pounds and a 300-pound dude hits you going just the same speed, you're going to get hurt eventually. Yeah, and it's like running into know, a wall. And I know Alvin Kamara is probably like 218 pounds, but like that does kind of make a difference to me. And Right. Uh, you know, I just – I feel like he's going to have a lot of defenses keying in on him because he's really the only true threat. I mean, Greg Olson is a shadow of himself. And talking about DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, those are two 5'11 receivers. Like it just doesn't terrify me. Yeah. Defense is probably better than people realize. I mean, losing, uh, you know, Thomas Davis, you know, him going over the Chargers, that's a big acquisition for the Chargers. It hurts, certainly hurts the uh, leadership. And same thing with Julius Peppers. I mean, he was he was pretty much washed up at this point. Great career, but he had that he had that locker room, um, you know, presence being a 12, 14 year veteran. And that's where he started his career. It was a big deal. So, I mean, now it's really all on Luke Keekley to run the show, which totally capable of doing definitely great player but there are some there are some holes in the defense the front seven's still pretty nice though yeah 
Yeah, it's a team I'm excited about for a couple reasons. You know, DJ Moore is only 22 years old, Correct. similar to Gallup. You know, he, he's going to be ready to take that step. Uh, Curtis Samuel has had a lot of great reports. Uh, getting his safety blanket, like Witten coming back to Dak, Olsen getting healthy for Cam is going to be big. And um, one of the key parts that I love about this Panthers team is their OC of North, North Turner. And you're going, North Turner, oh, that's, that's a not point. a great offensive mind. Yeah. But the – Secret sauce like that he has is his son, Scott Turner, who's probably one of the best young minds in football. Very analytical guy. You saw a lot of their success with McCaffrey has come from him and kind of do some reading. The players love Scott Turner, really a good connecting guy. And I think he's going to be able to run this offense successfully. They know how to get McCaffrey to that second level and avoid the big hits of the D-line. And they are good at that. Yeah, and taking the hits off a linebacker or safety and corner is much different than just plowing ahead. So, And it's a team with, a, I would say, an easier schedule. I mean, they do open the, the year at home versus the Rams, which should be a, a fun game to gauge these guys on. But you follow up with the Buccaneers. You have the Cardinals, Texans, Jags, Buccaneers again, San Francisco, and uh, the Titans – it's not a gauntlet. I mean, you're facing, you have some good teams mixed in there, but you're not facing, you know, Kansas city. You're not seeing Tom Brady. You know, you're going to have the opportunity to win some games here early on. And Agreed. As, you, as you get moving, you do have the saints in the back half twice. You have the Falcons in the back half twice. So if you can get this offense humming, if you can get this team in the right direction, knowing what you are, you have the ability to really control your destiny to close out the season with probably your four most important games in the back half. So it's a team that I think will be much improved. I have read some positive reports about Cam Shoulder. Of course, it's a concern, but it's something that I think they've had an offseason to prepare for and, and will adjust moving forward. Um, and I think Cam will put in the work to get himself right. You know, as much as – I don't think Cam necessarily has a bad um, – you know, I don't think he has a bad reputation, but I think guys look at him as like a selfish kind of guy when I think he's actually a better leader and motivator than people realize. And I love him. And I hope you're, dude, I hope your pick's right. I hope they win the division. I want to see Cam succeed. I wanted to see him win that Super Bowl. But what just scares the hell out of me is like week, uh, week five, right? They're playing Jacksonville and he just tries to do something, you know, and, and get, get outside the pocket and make a play happen, which is typical Cam. And Miles Jack just slams him on his shoulder, and he's out. And now Derek Anderson or whoever the hell their backup is is, you know, the quarterback the next eleven weeks. Right. Yeah. That's my. Third, I, I want to take a few moments just because I am excited about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Bruce Arians back in the Me league. Me too. I I think it's great for the offense. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, OJ Howard. Uh, it's going to be very fun to watch. Uh, certainly a team in transition, but if you're looking for a team that may be uh, an against-the-spread darling, they have the offense that's going to be able to – they're down 10 to put together a, a late-scoring drive for that back door that's going to swing open a lot. So, Kyle, you're nodding your head. Are you just as excited as I am to see Bruce Arians back in the NFL with some weapons? Dude, absolutely. Bruce Arians is one of the best probably 8-10 to 10 offensive minds, I think, in the game. Uh Mike, I'm a huge Mike Evans guy. I think he's been in some tough situations. If Jameis can really put it together this year, I think Chris Godwin is poised for a breakout year. Uh, there's been, you know, that's not a hot take. A lot of guys are really high on him this year, but I'm especially high on him this year, more so than like a Curtis Samuel, um, who's been getting a lot of hype as well. I love Mike Evans, dude. I just love 6'5", 235-pound guys that can go get it. 
and he, he doesn't get hurt and he does everything the right way. OJ Howard, I think, you know, he had a little bit of a, I'd say a disappointing rookie year, but he's still, he's a good blocker and a good uh, route runner. I think he's going to, I think he's going to help a lot. And I, I, for some reason, I don't know why I don't really have the evidence to back this up, but I feel like Jameis is going to have a good year. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think Bruce Arians gets the most out of quarterbacks and their offenses. Um, did look at some numbers. I am concerned about what OJ Howard will do just based on Bruce Arians pass, but I think he's a huge weapon that you can't ignore either. And I right. don't think Bruce Arians has ever had a tight end that has this ability. So I'm very intrigued to see how he adjusts to the modern NFL and also how he deals with that backfield. Ronald Jones banged up Peyton Barber. We've kind of seen what he is in the NFL. So um, it's an intriguing team. I think a lot of headlines and certainly Jameis in his contract year uh, is going to be more motivated than anyone to get it together. Yeah, that's the yeah, biggest question. Jameis, here. Go ahead. That's the biggest question here is if, J if Jameis can put it together. And I feel like this is starting to be kind of a commonality amongst all the, these teams we're talking about. But I mean, him especially like he it's been so choppy for him. And granted, he hasn't been in great situations with coaches like Derek Cutter and all that. who just don't really know like you know, what's going on. I feel like Bruce Arians is a good fixture of football minded. I feel like he's progressive enough. I don't know if he really had a fair shake in Arizona necessarily. There was a whole lot going on there. So I, I like Bruce Arians a lot. And I think to you guys point, I think if anybody can get to Jameis, it's probably him and a lot of good weapons around him. What is their team over under at Jason? Uh, Tampa Bay, let's pull it up here. They're currently sitting at six and a half, which oh, I think is a gift. I would take over. over that. Yeah, over I'm that over for that sure. For sure. Yeah, I, I, I think that's one you can kind of key in on. I think it's a team that it's going to be one or the other. This is really going to mesh together well, or it's just going to be another season of Jameis being Jameis where he <laughs> just can't, yeah. can't stop throwing to the other team. But I, I have all the – it's more belief in Bruce Arians and the talent that's there than yep. a worry of Jameis because I, I think we've seen uh, with with a lot of folks, including the Rams with Jared Goff, that you have uh, – a coach can really make you. So, uh, official predictions, I'm going Carolina Panthers here. Kyle, where are you leaning at this time? I'm going Saints. Saints for me as well. Saints. Well, as we just mentioned, Jared Goff leading the way for the St. Louis Rams coming off a disappointing – Super Bowl loss, but Sean McVay more motivated than ever. He gets back one of his weapons in Cooper Cup, a young kid out of a Division One AA. Moving forward with this team, it, as we mentioned, looks very much the same. Robert Woods is back. Um, you get Todd Gurley, a lot of question marks surrounding there. Kyle, where's your head at with the Rams moving forward? Is it going to be kind of work as usual as we've seen from Sean McVay, or do you kind of expect to step back? I think it's going to be work as usual. Their record might take a step back. I think they're probably an 11 and five team, which that's going to get you, you know, uh, certainly uh, at least one home game, probably two. I think the three headed monster of woods cooks and cup is fantastic. I love it for golf. Uh, I'm not worried about their offense, even though we just saw them put up, you know, three points in a Super Bowl. That's just Belichick having a hell of a game plan. They're still going to score 30 points a game this year. I believe that with or without, Todd Gurley and his arthritic knee. That's a that's a concern. It's a real concern. Uh, but I, the I, defense, they've loaded a lot of money into it. I know it's some aging players, man, but they still got a really, really solid defense across the board. 
I just I, my only thing about them is I feel like yes I I do agree they will take a little bit of a step back I have them around ten to eleven wins something like that because I think I mean they were a double doink and a really bad pass interception call away from or a a bad ref call away from not being in the Super Bowl and then putting up three points so I mean they kind of got there in a weird way I just got to think that. I guess injury will be a big thing here, too. But, I mean, they did get some weapons back. Hopefully they can take the step forward. But I don't know that they necessarily have that in them yet. I I really have them around 10 or 11. I feel pretty confident. Well, I think More on the 10 Clay, side. Clay Matthews, they lost in Dominic Sue, but adding Clay, the veteran like Clay Matthews and Eric Weddle is, is huge. That's true. And losing in Dominic and Sue can actually be a, a blessing. Yeah. Dante Fowler would get more more of a chance to step into that role yeah yeah so a couple interesting names there certainly clay matthews coming in past his prime but a, a kind of more of a two down linebacker now yes. um you, you know focusing on the offensive side of the ball i think kyle just named a law firm that you hire when you get pulled over for a dwi and in, in a cooks woods and cup that just sounds like <laughs> a bad law firm that you don't want sure does we're not hiring them i'll tell you that I tell you that much. You know, it's an interesting offensive line as well. Andrew Whitworth was brought over by Sean McVay, kind of getting a little bit older. I'm interested to see if he can still hold up on the left side. The most interesting part to me about the Rams offense, because we've seen so much success from a lot of teams, whether it's just from one tight end or two, is they really don't use the tight end position in the passing game much. You know, Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett, aren't really, you know, fixtures in this. But I guess maybe that's because you do have three outstanding wide receivers as well as Josh Reynolds to follow that up in the rear. Um, Todd Gurley's knee is definitely a concern. You know, they do have Malcolm Brown. They drafted Daryl Henderson out of Memphis, which is a, a guy getting a lot of attention right now. Um, I just think Sean McVay's light years ahead of everyone. We're scheming-wise. The offense isn't going to be an issue. Uh, Kyle brought up some great points on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, losing to the Dominican Sioux is probably not as big as maybe the common fan would lead on just because of the name. But they did trade for Dante Fowler. Now we'll have a full offseason, which I think will be good. And him and Clay coming off the same side will be interesting. And uh, Marcus Peters and Aqib Talib, man, that, that's a nice one-two punch, even though we saw yes, him take Marcus definitely. take a step back. Um, looking at the schedule-wise, it's pretty interesting to start. Uh, you go on the road to Carolina, as we mentioned. You have the Saints at home and the Browns on the road. A lot of teams with question marks and exciting, but it, I could see them easily being 3-0, and but I can also see them being 1-2. Um, yep. But it eases up a little bit as they head to home to play Tampa. Then they yes. have the Seahawks, 49ers, Falcons, Bengals. So it's a schedule that has a lot of ebbs and flows to it. Um, I, I, I think I'm in agreement with you guys on the 10-11 to 11 wins. I just think with Sean McVay and the talent they have, it's tough to see this really getting switched up from uh, where it's currently at. Agreed. And what's their over-under? Is it 10? Uh, you know, it's off the board right now, which is kind of interesting, but it was at 10 and a half, 11, depending where mm. you were looking at before. Um, I think just with, yeah. with the injuries in the division and everything. But uh, the, the next team that a lot of folks have interest in would certainly be that Seattle Seahawks team. Pete Carroll trying to find the promised land. For another time, Russell Wilson, uh, they want Russell to throw it less than 10 times a game. That would be ideal to Pete Carroll. <laughs> yeah, it would. Uh, a, a team that has Chris Carson uh, back and healthy. Rashad Penny's certainly a name there. But kind of the biggest offseason loss for them was 
I would say Doug Baldwin, a, a guy kind of retired out of the blue. Uh, J-Mac, you look itching to get into this. I know you follow Seattle a little bit. What's your thoughts on uh, the Pete Carroll-led Seattle Seahawks? Yeah, I mean, I think he's definitely looking to make make some magic happen again. And I don't see why they can't necessarily. It's just going to be a matter of how they use Russell Wilson because like I feel like every single year they've used him just a little bit differently and it's migrated one way or the other and no one's ever really able to put their finger on it which I guess is the beauty of having a quarterback that's kind of multi-talented like he is because he's so unique by so many standards I mean I still think he's a top I'd say he's a top eight quarterback he's one of my favorite agree with quarterbacks that. in the league and it's funny that it does feel like they're going to run a lot. It feels like yeah. they don't want, want Russell Wilson throwing the ball. Uh, and when Jason said that, I was like, yeah, Pete Carroll does not want him throwing the ball no. unless it's the game on the line. Then he right. Wants to then he wants to throw the goddamn ball. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that get, that stinks, right? right? I think Chris Carson's going to have a big year, though. I really do. I like Chris Carson, and I like Rashad Penny a lot, too. And I think that's going to be a really good a first round pick on him. So yeah. they're going to play him. It's going to be a really good one two punch there. Yeah. I, 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 and I like their receiving core as well. I think d losing Doug Baldwin will hurt them, though. They He had great chemistry Very with Russell much Wilson. So. And he's just their best receiver. I mean, it just is what it is. The DK Metcalf pick is interesting because uh, he's, you know, he just showed, he got a lot of attention, showed up, ran a 4-3. I think he's like 6'3", 220, 230, like very low single-digit body fat. But he had the slowest 5'10", 5 cone drill of any wide receiver, which for our listeners means he has no agility. And on tape, he can't really run routes. So you're basically just getting, uh, you know, a guy that is a workout horse that you're hoping you can turn into, and he has good hands. Yeah. But you're hoping you can turn him into an NFL receiver, which is way easier said than done. Um, and the defense is not quite what it used to be, obviously, uh, you know, four or five years ago. But the home field advantage is still big. I, I think they're probably an eight-win team, eight or nine-win team. What are they set at? Uh, yeah, we're, we're at eight wins for them or eight and a half. I apologize. And hmm, I think you guys touch. brought up a, no. a lot of the points I wanted to touch on. First off, DK Metcalf to Kyle's point, he can't run a route and that no. doesn't change in the NFL. I mean, right. route running is kind of like accuracy for a quarterback. I mean, it's a must. Sure, you, can, you can work <laughs> on it, but by this point in your career that you're you don't necessarily dramatically improve on it. You can fine tune everything, but you can't dramatically change it. And agreed, I, I, it's, I it's astounding the, that he made it this far without being able to run routes. Like it really is. But you played in he played in an offense that was a spread offense that asked That's him true. to run straight and out jump a five eight three star corner that runs <laughs> you know a half a tick slower than him. I mean, it, it's, it's a good point. It's interesting, but the Seattle. Seahawks had a lot of O-line problems over the past couple of years and suddenly now is one of the best O-lines I think in the game. Dwayne Brown certainly steady at left tackle. Mike Iwapati certainly a first round pick a long time ago from San Fan. Justin Britt I think is much better at center than he's been moved around a lot in his career. Uh, you know DJ Fluker's found a way to kind of steady the ship at a guard position outside of being drafted. So it's a team that can do exactly what Kyle brought up, which is run the ball three out of two plays that they want. I mean, right. it, it, it's ridiculous. And, you know, they did they did move some uh, guys around, and they brought Ezekiel Ansah in, and he's already banged up. Uh, Bobby Wagner's already talking about being hurt. So I got a lot of question marks on health-wise with that defense, but 
again, Pete Carroll seems to get the best out of folks. That home field advantage is not a joke, um, but it's not really a team I see eclipsing eight wins when you look at a schedule that's you know going to include the Saints, the Steelers, the Rams twice. They have the Browns, Falcons, Vikings. Um, it's just it's a lot to ask. They're going to have to have some upsets moving in there, but uh, a, a team that we're excited about fantasy-wise, at least with Chris Carson. Definitely. 100%. Well, from them to maybe one that uh, keeps having hype every year in San Francisco, Jimmy Garoppolo is finally healthy, even though he couldn't hit a, you know, the broad a, side a of a barn, barn, dude. He's so God, bad. He was so um, bad. You know, I want to start on this because, you know, I had this discussion with a listener off air and I, I'm done. I'm not buying Jimmy G anymore. This guy's been in the league for a long time. He hasn't had consistent snaps. And I just don't feel like when you're nearing 30, you can suddenly become an elite NFL quarterback. J-Mac, I know you're close to the Jimmy G situation going through this. Yeah. Certainly he had the talent, but at this point in his career, you can't make up for lost time in reps in the NFL. When has he had the chance to make to have those snaps, though? Like, I mean, he sat behind Tom Brady for years and then got hurt when he got to San Francisco immediately. So well, That's I, my point. Is yeah. I, I, you know, everyone's acting as though... He's still that he's had all this upside, but he's going to be 28 years old this season. He hasn't played a full season of NFL football career wise. He's played in 26 games and last year he only played in three. So I'm just a little concerned on how we expect this guy to come in and be a top 10 NFL quarterback, which is kind of how some folks draft and think about him. But I mean, I think to say that he only played in three games to hold that against him isn't really necessarily fair. Because I mean, I don't. I mean, that doesn't illustrate anything. I, I I get what you're saying, though. I just I, I'm giving him. I'm still being patient with it. But this is a big year for him, and this is going to be a make or break to see whether this really worked or not. But I mean, San Francisco's been in the midst of a rebuild, no matter what happens. So like, worst cases, he stinks out loud. They go draft a quarterback, and they have a lot of young pieces around him. I mean, they've been bad for a while, and they're really. I mean, they've dealt with health issues and everything, but they're. I, I like the, the Niners a, a decent amount. What's their over-under at? San Francisco's at eight, which eight, is really I'd take over that probably. I'm under that. Actually, no, I'd probably take under that. It depends on their schedule, I guess. Well, it depends who's going to catch catch the ball from Jimmy G, assuming he figures it out. I mean, he did post a 0.0 rating. I'm not going to look too much into that. I'm not high on Jimmy G. Um, I think he's... I think he's got... His ceiling is like an average starter. I think that's the ceiling, and that's the issue for me. But who's going to be the number one receiver on this team? Is it going to be, I guess, Dante Pettis? I mean, Marquise Goodwin is a nice complimentary speed player. It's probably going to be George Kittle at the tight end position. But yeah, I like George Kittle I just a don't, lot. I like George Kittle a lot, and I like the addition of Tevin Coleman. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jarek McKinnon, if he can get right, which I still have been hearing reports that he is not. Yeah, um, has been hurt. And, and, they, and they brought in the Debo Samuel um, and, and Jalen Hurd that's going to be really interesting to see if they can fit those guys in. But yeah, no kidding. Not a lot of confidence in in this offense. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's an offense that's completely unpredictable. Um, I do love the fact that they brought in Coleman back to Shanahan. Him and Jarek McKinnon can be just like Freeman and Coleman were, so he's got that piece back to what he wants. The big question mark, as you mentioned, is going to be at wide receiver, I think. No one knows who's going to emerge, and I think they're kind of waiting for someone to take that step. I do like Who the do Debo. you like the most out of those players? Yeah, I do think Debo Samuel, looking at the end of the year, will be their clear-cut number one guy. 
Uh, okay. Dante Pettis is a nice slot guy, but he's not going to be your number one. Uh, Goodwin can stretch it, but then Jalen's also a slot guy, so it's interesting. But when you do have a guy like Kittle and Pettis going over the middle, it does open a few things up. Um, you know, this was a team that was very banged up. One of the guys you mentioned, McKinnon, last year, you know, they drafted Bosa, who's already talked about being injured, which is interesting. Um, one thing to note for listeners, because of the injury, they decided to completely overhaul this medical staff. So what they did is they brought in the medical trainer from the Philadelphia Flyers, Ben Peterson, which probably means nothing to all of you, but th- there's a clear changing of guard where they're going, we understand we got to keep these guys healthy. Yeah, Let's right. go get a guy who can weather how to keep probably if, just as physical and longer season of a sport. Um, and and they're looking at this going, hey, if we can get a pass rush, this is going to make our crappy secondary better. So they go out, they get D Ford, they draft Nick Bosa. You have DeForest Buckner on the inside. On paper, you're really going, wow, if this team, if they got all, all three of those guys healthy, they're going to get after the quarterback, you know, with a four-man rush every time. But can they do it is the question, and can they stay healthy? Exactly. I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I, I got them at seven wins. Um, mm, I'd definitely take over that, but not more than eight. Well, J-Mac, I know you and Kyle brought it up. You look at the schedule, they're pretty fortunate. They have the Buccaneers. They have the Bengals. Uh, they have the Redskins. They have the Cardinals twice. Um, it's not necessarily a gauntlet of a schedule, you know, outside of the Rams, Seahawks. You know, they got the Packers and Saints and Ravens, but they either have a really good playoff team or a team that's battling Just for terrible. Two. Yeah, exactly, dude, right. 100%. But so either it feels way, like that team you're going to look at and go, oh, they beat everyone they're supposed to, and they lost to everyone that was better than them. That's and that's an eight and eight team typically. Exactly. Yep. Well, uh, the last team we have in the NFC, the Arizona Cardinals, who drafted Kyler Murray. We'll try to keep it quick as we wrap it up here. Do you guys have any thoughts on Cliff Kingsbury and the new look Arizona Cardinals? It's going to be fascinating to watch, right? I mean, no matter so, what happens. I mean, they the they fully committed. Five and eleven team. I'm going to be tuned into. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they they went all in here, and I mean, they. I saw that they let go of Kevin White today. Like they they've definitely. It feels like they've done a lot to try to be proactive here, and they dealt with a lot of injury over the last few years. And Josh Rosen, I just don't believe in. And so, I mean, I, I think it's a better shot with Kyler Murray. You fully committed to going ahead with that style of offense of like the the Patrick Mahomes scramble type guy that is mostly a pocket passer, but can move if he needs to. I, I, I think it's all going to depend on what the translation looks like for Kyler. And my concern is his size. And I'm not usually one to really yeah. buy into height, but I mean, that dude is small and that is yes. concerning, but he is deadly accurate though. He is, he is accurate. We've seen him overthrow a few guys in the preseason it's probably just adjusting the height, but the OU offensive line last year is as big as an NFL offensive line. So let's make be clear about yeah. that. Um, uh, I will, actually I think bigger than the Cow, Cowboys. I saw that statistic for average height and weight, but I will say though, real quick though, to finish out the cliff Kingsbury part of this though, I definitely feel like, like, so look at Manziel, for example, his first year at A&M, he was so incredibly successful with cliff as his OC. And he was never as good continually after that with different OCs. Cliff has a good way with these types of quarterbacks. Love that. 
what Cliff doesn't have a good way with is being a head coach. Don't love right. that. Exactly but, what I was about to say. But we are in a different situation now where you're not having to recruit. You're not having to do any of that. And he doesn't have to worry right. about the defensive side of the ball and all that. He can just concentrate on that, which I, so I, I, I don't know if that's necessarily a bad move. I mean, like I said, you fully committed. But I do think with Cliff, it's one of those things where I do wonder if you could have gotten a head coach in there and made him like an OC or like a, you know, so I, I'm not really sure well, what they, you do with that. They, but they brought in Vance Joseph to run the defense, former yeah. head coach of um, the Denver Broncos, and certainly made his name out in Miami there. So I, I think to your point that that was their hope is to bring in someone that can help them out. But I, I don't know, guys. I, I watched this team. This is the worst O line in offense. They're going to try to do a lot of things that I don't think that they can do with the current pieces. Um, I, I would be shocked if they had more than two wins. They unfortunately wow. have to go through the AFC North. Yeah. You look at the rest of the schedule. I mean, outside of the Bengals, the Giants game, I don't really see a game that they're going to be remotely within less than a touchdown of the spread. So Our I – Defense is not sexy. Either. No, not at all. Defense not sexy. And, and Patrick Peterson, when they're maybe they beat the Lions opening day, who knows? But when they're like one and eight, does Patrick Peterson say, "Screw it, I'm sitting out the rest"? Kind of pull the Earl Thomas, like, "Just hey, trade I'm not him. playing, trade me." Hey, I would before they, you break your leg if you want right. to win a championship because he can still. He's not the number one corner in the league anymore, but he could still be an elite corner, especially. Very. if go as somewhere as a veteran teach young corners and have to guard the second best guy ideal for him in his 30s yeah well i am all on the rams here to win the division do you guys have a different lean yeah i think the rams no, make sense no, i mean i think the rams it's got to be the rams i wanted to like try to talk myself into seattle but i just i can't do it um with the cardinals in the you know i, I really do think that they're going to struggle defensively a lot. I think Kyler is going to have a ton of great plays and a ton of what the hell just happened plays. Uh, having Fitzgerald there is big for him. I think that's going to help his development a lot because he seems to have that kind of work ethic. I think Christian Kirk is a nice potential slot player for him as well. And David Johnson is going to get a lot of reps. You know, this is going to be a team that's going to be kind of fun to watch and put up some points. They're going to make mistakes though, and they're not going to win a lot of games. I, I don't have them winning. I don't have them going two and fourteen like Jason, but I think <laughs> four and twelve or five and eleven is very, very realistic. I would. I think their number is five or five and a half at most shops, and either way, I'd probably lean towards the under there, and you're going to get pretty good odds on it. But I mean, if you win yeah. five games, that's progress. <laughs> like given where they've I mean, been. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, against yeah, a much I think tougher the expectation schedule, is higher. I think. Yeah. The oh, yeah, I know that. I know that's true, but I think well, that's still an improvement from where they've been in a very tough schedule. But the best thing for this team would be to, to get the first overall pick because everyone's going to be wanting Tua, and for you to be able to trade that, bring in, you know, three other first-round picks, some seconds. Some, all on yeah. offensive linemen, please. Yes. Right. Everyone. Tyler. And so he's, I, he's if I'm there, <laughs> that would be my hope for them because if I think they're able to do that, it could really – kind of change what we see moving forward but I, I don't have high hopes i don't see how this team with the schedule that they have to face and the defenses that they're going to be able to give murray more than a second back there uh with this clapping of snaps so it'll be That's interesting fair. right last question i have for you if you put the cowboys offensive line in front of kyler murray and that offense just switch the lines do you think they have a lot more success 
Absolutely. Definitely. I think, I think most of this is on the line is the point I'm trying to make. I think yeah. their skill positions are in place. Well, it, it just limits what you can do. And, yeah, they want to get the ball out quick. They want to, you know, go rapid fire. And kind of like basketball when you're undersized and, you know, you can't man up, you try to, hey, let's try to run them out of the gym, just sprint back and forth and tire them down. Well, if you're doing that, you're going three and out and you're putting a bad defense on the field within right. 40 seconds. It just – it builds on itself. So – it just seems like a team that could snowball and Vance Joseph isn't really known to be the greatest of leaders either. He left Denver. There wasn't a lot of great comments for Von Miller and their team about Vance. So I just worry that there's not a ton of leadership inside that building at this time. That's fair. That is fair. All right. Well, that was fun guys. That's a lot of football talk over the last couple of episodes. Kyle, thanks for joining us, man. It was awesome. Dude. Absolutely. Uh, summarize Cowboys, Super Bowl champs? No. Absolutely. Know what I'm hearing? Absolutely not. See, I got Philly winning the division, so that means we're going to be a wild card, win three road playoff games, and then yeah. uh, slide in seems and like, Patriots. Seems like something they're real capable of doing. <laughs> <laughs> All of the above. All right, well, we want to remind everyone to uh, give us a call. We want to hear your, your uh, thoughts, and we want to hear what you guys have to say. We want to know what you guys want to talk about. So give us a call. That number is 972-885-9361. And make sure to follow us on social media at Sensibly Loud on Twitter and on Instagram and Sensibly Loud Media on Facebook. And we will see you guys next week for another episode of Perpetually Correct.